Amen. Amen. I, I want to talk. I'm going to change the subject from this morning. I, I want to talk about it, it, during this gathering uh, a, 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 a principle that I hope we, we, we gather in our souls as believers. Rooting your life in God's word. Rooting. Somebody say rooting. 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 Look, look, at some, look at somebody next to you and say, neighbor, neighbor. you better learn. How to root your life in God's word. Turn and look at the person on the other side of you and say, neighbor, are you going to learn to root your life in God's word? Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Father, for your word. It's, it's so easy not to be. So, oh, my God, it's so easy. And so, God, uh, help, this, help this not to merely be a reminder because um, Sometimes we say that was a good reminder when we weren't there in the first place. And so, God, I pray in Jesus Christ's name that you would hook us in uh, to be able to see you more clearly and to root our lives more effectively in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, you know, as, as I've, um, you know, I grew up in the inner city, and so it's, you know, and so I was used to corner stores and, uh, you know, you know, going to, you know, get me some, you know, Chinese food from the corner spot, you know, a, a salty deli sandwiches. I ain't mad at that, you know what I'm saying? But, but as, you know, as, I, as I've grown up, you know, and I realized that there's other places to eat, you know, because when you grew up in the inner city, you think that's the only place it is to eat, you know, um, uh, um, when you grow up. But, but, but as, as, as we begin to venture out, you know, and I've been able to grow up, I've been able to eat some places. Amen. And if anybody know, pass the E. I love some good food. Now, now, there's something that I have gotten really accustomed to really enjoying, and that's a good steak. Help me today, God. Uh, 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 it, it, I, I don't know what steak, steak just said something, right? I, I don't know what it is. But, but, but you know, but, but, but for people, some people say it, there's no difference between steak. A steak is a steak. I'm like, mmm. I'm struggling with you right now, um, because 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 uh, uh, according to you, uh, you know you can't have an Applebee's steak ain't a Ruth Chris steak. Hallelujah today, God. A, 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 a you know what I'm saying a chili steak or a Friday steak. You listening, Jonah? Okay, okay. It, it is not the same as a as a Davio steak. You know. I mean, a steak, you know. And, and let me tell you my two cuts I like. Can I tell you about it? And this all relates to the sermon, too. Uh, I, I like a ribeye, and I like a New York strip. Yeah. You're going to make me close right there, Doc. Uh, <laughs> I, and I like those two cuts of steak because of the marbling of the fat in them. Because what happens is, is it sucks in, it sucks in the flavor real, real nice like. But you know, but you, but, but you don't want to overcook them. You want to you wanna go medium or lower, right? And, and a real steak, all you need is salt and pepper on it. You don't need no, if something, let me just warn you. If somebody brings out A1 or Heinz steak sauce, if your steak got butter all on it and all that other stuff on it, it's not a good steak. A confident steak master in butcher's house, when they put that joint on the table, especially if it's dry aged, 
plat down, they don't need to put much on it. And, and, and the reason why is because, is because of the quality of the steak. But you would ne- once you've had a good steak, you will ne- when you go somewhere else and it's on the menu, they can dress it up. We put mushrooms and onions on it and and in a in a herb butter. You like, see so you got you you just like this. And if you even taste it, you'll be able to taste the difference between the two. And you would never equate the two as even being on the same level. And, and, and many people have done that with Christianity. Is it many, many people don't recognize that Christianity is a premium religion? Wish I had some help right there. It, 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 it is the top of the line of spirituality. And the reason why is it ain't nothing about us that makes it top of the line. It's Christ and Christ alone. It, it's, 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 it's who he is, family of God, that, that, that makes us dry-aged people that have a lot of flavor. All of the fat marbling in between us gives us the ability to absorb everything that God has for us and for us to be maximized for Jesus Christ. I ain't putting nobody else down, but I'm glad that Jesus Christ saved me. And, I, I, and, I, and I'm so glad not only that he saved me, but he upgraded the quality of this old dead piece of meat. Wish I had some. Or do, do you know you ain't nothing but a dead piece of meat that's being seasoned with who he is? I wish I had some help right there. They're just going to show him off. And so, and so Paul is trying to convince Paul is trying to convince the Corinthian believers, as snotty as the, y'all got to understand, Corinthian church was an upscale ministry. You know what I'm saying? If they were in our day, they would be the church you came in marble, plat out. You know what I'm saying? Fresh flowers in the lobby. You know, it's one church in, 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 in Dallas. They got, a, they got a, a, a scuba diver in the front of the church. I lie to you not. I lied to you not. Do the scuba diving and carrying on. Fishes and carrying on while people come to church. I'm just saying, you know, you know, you know, in some churches now they got the valet service, John. You know, Gerson, come in, you go out to church and you come out, you do like this. They got a coat ministry, all like all kinds of stuff, right? You know, you know, and, 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 so, and so Paul's fight, Paul's fight with the Corinthian believers is will you get a Christian worldview? Like, like his fight with them is like, like, like you have, you, you're, he said, you're so culturally dense that you're spiritually shallow. Ah, Paul, Paul, Paul says, you, you're so soaked in and absorbing uh, 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 the A1 sauce of the culture that you don't realize the salt of the spirit. And so what he's trying to get them to do and what he's trying to challenge them to do is to stop allowing them being a port city. They were a port city. And them being a port city, that means that there was a lot of prostitution there. Um, there were a lot of upscale prostitutes, low-scale prostitutes. Um, there was a lot of commerce and trade. Um, it's, it's, it's a port city. So you had people from different islands and all over the place that were, that were hanging out in Corinth. And because of that, um, the, because of the trade and, uh, uh, and, and all of the different types of people that would come in and sailors and all of the different types of culture, everything from intellectualism all the way to the red, uh, the, 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 the red light district. You, you had all different types of people groups. And what began to happen is because it was a cultural hodgepodge or a cultural melting pot, what began to happen is, is the philosophies of the world and the philosophies of the culture began to make its way into the, sp- into the formation of the people of God to the point to where there was no discernment for God's people, the difference between Christ and culture. Now, 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 we're not saying sacred, secular culture. There's, that, that's, there's, there's no such thing as sacred and secular for the Christian. 
everything for us is sacred because we believe that Christ redeems everything. We want him to saturate and be everywhere, right? But in light of that reality, what we must do is we got to have a grid on. Somebody say a grid. grid. So, so, so what Paul is doing in this passage is he's picking up and summarizing before he makes a shift into the rest of the book. He's summarizing it. Some of it's going to kind of seem like it's sort of, you know, all over the place, but, 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 it, but, it, really, but it really isn't. It, it's really all to kind of gather, to kind of summarize it, to give us some clarity on what he's challenging and developing the people of God in. And so he comes here in verse 18. Um, I'm just going to walk the text today, so for my point, people, I'll see you in 2014 for your point. But we're just going to let the text be the point today. Amen, somebody. He says, let no one deceive himself. As he begins to talk to them about self-deception, he's challenging them in not letting them be deceived that he wants them to properly have a mindset that reflects God's mindset. In other words, he's letting them know, don't talk to yourself. Okay? Now, I'm going to explain that in a second. Now, as he says that, he said, if anyone thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. Now, you got to recognize, being a Christian means that many times you're going to look stupid to other people. Okay? Now, y'all looking at me funny. There's sometimes, matter of fact, if you're walking with Jesus, many times what's up with God is down with man. So, 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 so see, some of us, our problem is, is we're trying to make the faith palatable to people who can't see what we see. The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It says walk by faith, not by what? Sight. And, and, so, and so he said, he says here, if anyone thinks he is wise in this age, that means this age means this time period of demonic rule of Satan in the cosmos of the world. If, 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 in other words, the philosophies of the earth, he's not saying not knowing them, but he's, he's saying don't take them as proper applicational knowledge. Why? Because wise means to, 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 to live in light of what you know. That, it means the applied knowledge. That's, so, so he's saying what happened is in order for them to be wise of this age, that means the central rubric of their life is not the word of God, but the wisdom of this age. And therefore, the way I live is based on what not God says, but everything God doesn't say. And so, and so, so you, know, you know you're dealing with somebody that's wise according to this age, because every time you bring up Jesus or some Bible, they say, why you got to be deep? You ever met somebody like that? Like, is there ever a time where I just bring up a verse where you can just say, see, y'all, see, there you go, this is how they do. Oh, see, y'all always want to be deep. Y'all want to bring up the Bible. I'm like, aren't we, aren't we in Christ? So I'm not saying I want to be no earthly good, but does, does that ever come up? Ever? And so, and so, and so, and so he said, he says, he said, if anyone thinks he is wise in this age, you know, Paul kind of, he got a swag under Jesus with just no respect for anything less than the knowledge of Christ. You know what I'm saying? You got to hear how he's coming on. He's like, if any of y'all think, I mean, he's like putting cats on blast. Now, he's not talking to the culture. He's talking to the church. He says, let him become a fool that he may become wise. In other words, he's playing with him. He says, 
God, he's going back to the wisdom of God is foolishness to man. In other words, being a fool for God means being wise for God. Now, now, he, now he's actually calling the wise person of this age stupid. Now, in, in, now, Paul always writes, the writers of the New Testament always write with the Old Testament in mind, always. Now, there are three types of fools in Proverbs. There's some fools in Proverbs. But there's one fool in particular that's the ultimate fool. It's called a Nabal. A Nabal in the Hebrew means stupid fool. See, there's fool, then there's fool, then there's stupid fool, right? And so Paul probably has in mind this idea of the Nabal, which is a stupid fool, that not only are you a fool, but you're also stupid. In other words, whenever you not, now see, y'all looking at me funny like, how are you going to call somebody stupid? I didn't. I'm just preaching what's in the book. So, so have you ever been stupid? Yes, I have. Okay. Whenever you don't walk in God's wisdom, you're stupid. And so in light of that reality, in light of that reality, he says, he says, let him become foolish. Let, let me look at Noah. Look at Noah. Now God tells Noah something's going to happen that's never happened before, and I want you to build something that's never been built before. Hold on, y'all gotta think about that. Like most of us think about, we 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 just walk through stuff. He tells Noah, Noah. It's going to rain. Like, what's that? <laughs> Only thing they got from the garden is in the dates, in the morning time, it used to do used to come up from the ground. So he's saying, not like that steam stuff that they probably would have called it. He said, You mean the clouds are going to rain down? Now, how can a cloud bring that much moisture down? And he said, It's not only going to rain, but it's going to flood. Now, He's not probably, I don't think he's by the water because God never told him to push the boat out or anything. He just says, build it, and I'm going to bring the water to you. Now, this cat starts doing all of this. He's like, what is this? Rain. It's going to rain. What's rain? And people go, in other words, when you walk with Jesus Christ and when you do what God wants you to do, you will look like a fool for a little while. Y'all, y'all missed that. See, see, because every, once people see when you walk with God and you do what God wants you to do and you base your life on his word and not man's wisdom, you'll be the smart one in the end. As a matter of fact, Noah looked like a fool for 150 years. It says he preached for 100, not 100, 150 years, and then all of a sudden rain came and the cat's knocking on the door. Can I, can I get in? I'm pretty sure they was knocking. I'd have knocked on the door, but nobody was able to get in. And God brought water to him. And so Paul is trying to help the Corinthian believers and help us to recognize that you need to be willing to stake everything in your life on God's word. That's a hard lesson to learn. It's a hard lesson to learn when what you want to do that's a natural involuntary action of your fleshliness becomes overridden by an eternal voluntary action by God's word impacting what you normally would want to do. And you got to be willing to do that every now and then. And so, and so then Paul says, Paul says, for the wisdom of this world is folly with God. He said, for it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. Catches means to trap. Craftiness means, craftiness means treachery and cunning. That, mean, that, means, that means the innovation of wisdom of humans, God likes to make people who think they're wise in their own estimation look stupid in the long run. 
Because what he wants to do is he wants, he, uh, God is all, he's so about his glory that he won't let you innovate anything outside of him. And so if, if God is going to do anything in our lives, it's always connected to his word and his glory. Because both are the perfect expression of his character. And because the word is his character, is his bond, is his, his bond, and his glory is how he looks. His word is what he says, and his glory is how he looks. He wants to make sure that everything in your life is booby trapped to make the world look stupid and for him to look wise. Now, the, the good thing about being in Christ is he'll make you look better than you actually look. Yeah. Let, let me see if I can make it plain. Let me, let me see if I can make it plain. Now, don't y'all get mad at me, Okay. Um, but I've seen, um, some pre-makeup people, I'll just say that, and post-makeup people, and the right lighting, like my wife would say, my wife, women, I just learned something about my wife said, now that's a good code of makeup. I'm like, what does that mean, even mean? It's, that's, that is a good shade of makeup. And, and y'all women already know what she's talking about. But, which, but, but when the, the strippage happens, <laughs> it's pimples and germs and, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, hold on. How in the world does shorty look like this over here and then over here look like this? You know what I'm saying? Makeup can do something for you. Amen, makeup artist, right? And so because of that, because of that, because of that, because of that reality, God does that with his wisdom. He make you look better than you. That's what God's wisdom does. But the, but, but the, but the good thing about God's makeup is it don't wash off. It's permanent makeup to make you look better and better. And he just keep making you up and you keep making you. And then next thing you know, because you're walking in your wisdom, you're more fine than you ever thought you could ever be. Why? Because of the goodness and glory of the wisdom of God showing itself off in our ugly lives. Wish I had some help. But then he says in verse 20, he says, and again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. Wow. He said, he said not even what you said, dog. You know what I'm saying? He said, just your thoughts. Just what you thought up. You know, do you know God sees all of our thoughts? All of them. That's scary. That's pretty. Can you imagine hearing every, like remember Super, I mean, so the Superman movie, he stand up. And he up on top of the world, and he listening for different things, and he's zooming on one thing, and then zooms into it. Well, see, Superman is not omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent. And so God can hear all of those things at the same time, and not only hear them, but know the intentions of the heart within it. And because he knows man, he says it's futile. That's why Jesus, the last verse of John is the weirdest verse in the Bible to me. Last verse of John chapter 2 says, and Jesus knew what was in man, and he was not entrusting himself to man. Ain't that crazy? Now, we're going to come back to that in a second. He says, let no one boast in men, verse 21. So what, what he's saying is, is he said, I want Christians, he said, I want you to stop boasting in the world's investment in you. He said, I don't want you to find your identity in human investment. That was, the Christian, that, was the, that was the problem of the church at Corinth. They valued what man said above God said. If you said it in a particular way, they liked it more, even if it wasn't true. They just said that was dope, right? That's why you got to be careful at some things, right? And so, but what he's alluding to when he says put no boast, uh, let no one boast in man, is he's, he's, he's using Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. 
He says, let, uh, he, say, he says, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, not the strong man in his might, but let him who boasts, boast in this, that he knows and understands me. So God says, I'll let you boast about some things, but it got to be about me if you're boasting. And so what he's trying to get them to do in knowing and understanding, and understanding God is that comes from God's word. Understanding comes from getting knowledge. Knowledge then comes understanding, and from understanding, you're able to walk in wisdom, right? So it's knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. I remember the five percenters used to always talk about that. Knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, 360 degrees of knowledge towards the number seven. I'd be like, Doc, knowledge, wisdom, and understanding ain't nothing new. It's been in the Word forever. And so, and, and, so, and so he's calling them to put their passions and their desires, put it straight up in Christ and what his word says. And so, and so the next thing we see that Paul says as we shift through, he says, whether, he says, uh, yeah, in verse 22, he says, whether Paul or Apollos, ooh, we make a good time, or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. He says, he says, listen. When you know God, he said, everything's open to you. Did you hear that? He said, he said like, most people think of being in Christ like God's, like God's holding back something if we walk in his word. And that's true. That's actually true. Sometimes God is holding you back. Now, some of y'all in here, and I can attest in my own life, that I'm glad that God held some stuff back from me. Some, if, if I would have got some of what I wanted or who I wanted, But, but, what's, but, but, but what Paul says, he says, all that God has for you is fully open up to you if you'd walk in his way of thinking and doing things. And so we have to change our mind that Christ died on the cross to open up what God has for us to us versus closing us all from it. Because we don't recognize not knowing Christ was not freedom. It was actually being closed off from freedom. The issue is, is the enemy wanted to set up your freedom to, to, to not let you know that you and I were in slavery. And so when Christ came, he became a uh, sin for us so that we can be released from this slavery so that what Paul says in here, he says, he says all of this, he said, whether it's Paul, whether it's Apollos, Cephas, he says, or the world or life or death or the present or the future, he says, all yours. He said, listen, everything that God gave to us three, he said, everything that's in the not worldliness, right? He's talking about in the world as a place, not a system right here. <laughs> it's open to you. That's when, you, that's when you can dream biblically. This is where you root biblical dream, not just, not just dreams of just what you want to be, but when it's rooted in what God releases to his people. Now, what, he, what does he do right here? He says, and you are Christ, and Christ is God. And so what he's about to do is he's about to set up some divine order. Now, as he begins to set up this divine order, he wants them to even think rightly about church leadership so that the, the church leadership won't be exalted above God's word, okay? Now, I'm explaining that. Look at, look at chapter 4, verse 1. Look at what he says. He says, this is how we should, uh, one should regard us. So he's saying, he's saying, this is how I want you to value us. Me, Paulo, Cephas, all of us. He said, this, this is how I want you to look at us, right? Now, we don't do this in our day. Preachers in our day want you to regard them above the word of God. Now, if you ask a cat that, he'll say, no, nah, I want you to regard God's word. But hold on. If I don't do everything that you say, every dot and tittle, based on your view of what you say, my life. In other words, you know that you're in a quasi-spiritual cult 
when spiritual leadership seeks to micromanage your life and it usually is in connection to their benefit. Y'all ain't going to say nothing back to me today. But, 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 but what happened? In other words, you know, for freedom, Christ has set us free. So the goal of leadership is to serve you into God's destiny for you, not to serve you to stay loyal to their whims and wishes. See, a true, uh, see, see, leadership, that, but, it, but I'm going to tell you as a pastor, it hurts to do that because it breeds disrespect and insubordination. But you got to trust God with people. And so what Paul is saying, Paul is saying, this is ludicrous what he's saying. Like, I would get, like if I preached this at some church, they would kick me out of there. Hey, doc, you, you, set, you ain't set me up, Doc. You know, Doc, Doc, I wanted to focus. The, nah, Doc. If you want to really be a doctor, a doctor wants to heal people and help them to go out and be what all God wants them to be. Doc. Let's doc that. So he says, he said, listen what he says. He says, he says now, he said, this is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ. Now, you got, now, now check this out. Now, the word here for servants isn't the usual word for servant that you'll see like Jesus uses. Jesus uses the word for deacon a lot for servants, uh, 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 um, a diaconia, diaconia. But, but then there's another word for servant that Paul loves to use, and it's the word doulos, okay, which is your namesake, the doulos, right? And so, and so but here it's a different word. It's, 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 it's eparetes, eparetes. It, it, means, it means helper. It means assistant to God. It means servant or subordinate officer. In other words, Paul, when he says servant, he said, I'm not serving alongside God. I'm serving under God. See, there's a difference. He's not, he's not serving in a position of equality. He's serving in a position of subordination. Now, why is that important? Because he wants to make sure that they recognize that the benefits that they get from his leadership, from the word, doesn't root itself in him being the source of where that information came from. See, that's the problem with backdoor prophets. Friday, we're going to be here Friday at 9 o'clock. Amen, somebody. We're going to be out at 9 o'clock, and I will be prophesying on Friday. If you come on out and bring $20 with you, um, I will take, and then, the, the, in other words, if you come to this person to get all the answers for your life from, I, I get scared when people exalt their, pro- now we ain't against prophecy, we ain't against prophesying, we just against prophelying. Okay? And, 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 and so Paul is saying, I'm not rooting this in me because you know somebody's prophelying when the spiritual gift is always bigger than God's word. Let me see if I, help me God. Let me, in, 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 other, in other words, I, I've had some people, like I had somebody come to me, and I'm not impressed. Y'all just got to know me. I'm not impressed when you can't say you got a word. Pastor, somebody came to me, Pastor, I have a word for you, doctor. Okay. I need you to receive this. Hold on. I don't receive nothing. See, I'm not impressed, all right? So tell me first, Clacal, then I'll go see if it lines up with what's been said so that if I can know what's been said, is, it, 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 what you said lines up with what's been said. 
Because if it's new, it ain't true. And so go ahead. See, you know a real prophet when they don't care. See, some prophets want you to already be like that. Oh, hallelujah, God. Hey, bless your name, God. Hey, God. And you, are you ready to receive? No, no, I, listen, don't get, don't get all excited real quick when somebody. I, I remember we used to be in the prophetic service and people be wishing the prophet come next to them. You know, and I'd be like, I don't care if he come. And I'm not afraid of you because I'm afraid of this, not you. And so, and so, and so, and so, and so Paul says, I don't want to root I don't want to root my, I don't want you, I don't want you to see me as a source of truth. That's why he's saying I'm under the source of truth. That's why in verse, that's why the last verse he says, that's why the last verse, he said, and you are Christ, not mine. That's why he says that in verse 22 or 23, he says, and Christ is God's. And so you're ultimately God's possession because of the mediator who died for you. Now, I'm a servant of God who is the media, Christ is the mediator between the two. I'm a servant ultimately of God, and just as you are Christ and God is Christ, so am I. So y'all, y'all help me today, God. So he, then he goes down and he says, he says, and stewards of the mysteries of God. I like that. He didn't say owners of the mysteries of God. He didn't say I owned it. In other words, steward means that you got it from somebody and that there's an owner and you've been given managerial responsibility to make sure that you're faithful to what the owner wants the specs of it to continue to be. In other words, if somebody owns an apartment building and you're a manager of that building, you can't make structural changes to it without the approval of the owner. And if there are going to be any changes to it, you can't just sign off. You can, get, you can do maintenance on the building, and you can do, but you can't just say, I'm going to just build you know, I'm going to just build out and start spending. No, 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 no. You got to talk to the owner because the owner had it built in mind for what the owner wanted it to be like. And so what he's saying is, is God is the authority and builder of the gospel. All I'm doing as a manager is to make sure that everybody gets it as clearly as he gave it to me. Are you hearing me today? He said, so I'm stewarding that. He said, I'm, he said my job is to make sure that the gospel is clear. I'm blown away how many church websites have bad gospel. Some, one church said, um, one, one John said, please don't hear me like I'm dog. I just want you to hear, help me, God. It says, and this is salvation, repentance from sin, baptism with water in the name of Jesus with the evidence of speaking in tongues. That was salvation. And I was just like, that's not stewarding the gospel. And pointing people to the word. That means come to me as the source and I will tell you whether or not you're saved or not. Uh, but, 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 but the Bible says, and by this we know we have eternal life. That eternal life is found in the son. Right? And so, and so, and so he goes down as he talks about the mysteries of God. Verse 2. It's dope. He says, moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. That they don't let anything. And, and this is important because he's helping the Corinthian believers to recognize that they have to remain faithful to God's truth even when the world is not wanting to remain faithful to God's truth. So, so faithfulness or being found faithful, that, that's the, the inference of that is there's going to be an evaluation. <clears throat> and because of that, that's something we should be doing so that when Christ returns, we're caught faithful. Okay? Okay, and then he goes, he says, but with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or any human court. He said, Paul, Paul crazy. He said, I don't care about what you say about me. He said, in fact, <laughs> I like what he said, in fact, he said, I do not even judge myself. He says, you don't judge me. The human courts don't judge me, even though they're going to martyr me. Um, and he said, I don't even judge myself 
there is a judge that actually judged me where that judgment is final and eternal. Now, this is not a verse for somebody to go out of here and say, only God can judge me. We'll talk about that when we get to chapter 6. Verse 4, he says, for I am not only aware of, I mean, he said, I'm not aware of anything against me, of myself. He says, but I am thereby, I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Then he says, therefore, those, uh, he, says, he said, therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time. Before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. That's, that, them verses right there scared the daylights out of me. That God is not, and we talked about that when we talked about uh, uh, God's eternal rewards, but it's very, very important to recognize that God is not going to in, uh, uh, judge what you did, but what was behind why you did what you did. That's why the Bible says, every, in, in, in Proverbs 21, 2, says, every way of man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs his heart. So what God is ultimately going to do is he's going to take, you think he's going to take your work and put it on a scale, but he actually puts his glory on one side for that particular area. Then he's going to take your heart, put it on the other side, and then he's going to turn it to the dial of different aspects of what you're supposed to do for him and see if it weighs out to his glory. And so he said, God is going to judge every single thing. And because of that, that's why he wants to stick closer to the word of God. So check what he says in verse 6 in closing. And this is crazy. He says, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers. Then he says, that you may learn. Somebody say learn. learn. That you may learn by us not to go beyond what's written. I love that verse. I remember I first discovered that verse. In other, in other words, Paul is saying, I don't want you to start innovating truth. Trust, just trust, just, just trust what the Word of God says. Don't try to molest it so that people can uh, exalt your unique communication of it. Your, your role is to just make sure that people understand and recognize that. And now, and we, we're not just talking about teachers we're talking about believers. I'm always concerned when people, when preachers, we act like nobody else could have found out something from the Holy Spirit but through us. And so he said, he said, he said I want your life. He said, don't go be far beyond. He said, don't go beyond the things which are written. In other words, he's trying to let them know, uh, don't try to be deep where the Bible isn't. One, one preacher, I, he drives me nuts. I, ain't even, I said his name in the first service. He drives me nuts. He'll take a simple... <laughs> Kenneth Copeland, um, I'm sorry, it just was in my throat, <laughs> right there. He drives me nuts because he, he takes simple verses and just clutters them with, just like, we will say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whoever, boom, heaven, everlasting life, boom. He'll take that verse. Okay, the purpose of the verse is clear. This guy will say, see, God so loved the world, ha! See, in loving the world, and he started, I'm like, what are you doing, doc? Because he's so, now that word so is interesting. Doc, it just means so. <laughs> so, so, it's, and, and, uh, he, said, see, he said, so means so what? Huh. You'd be like, huh? And you're like, he says, so love. See, love here, even though it's agape, it's, and then he started going into all, I'm like, Kenny, just open, for God so loved the world. God loved us, had an unconditional love for us, that 
in eternity past, he decided that Christ was going to die for our sins. That whoever believes in him, puts their confidence in him, shall not spend eternity experiencing the wrath of God, but spend eternity with the living God. That's all you need to say. Say amen. Get out of the way. Call some people to Jesus. And what I say to our lives, don't, over, don't make the word of God complex in your life. Let the word of God challenge you and be a meticulous Bible geek. Don't be, there ain't nothing wrong with, I ain't talking about being deep and just arguing theological jargon. I'm saying it, 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 every area of your life should be scripturally smeared. Every, every single sector of your life should be smeared with the truth of God's word. And guess what? Guess what? And, and that's what he's trying to tell the Corinthians. He said, don't be afraid to look like a fool. Don't be afraid to look like a fool. Don't be afraid for people to leave you alone because you want to follow Jesus. Don't be afraid to lose some friends. Don't be afraid for family to cuss you out. Don't be afraid to lose some. Don't be afraid if you're on your job and they ask you to do something without integrity, and if you don't do it, you get fired. You trust God. And I'm, I'm telling you, Nobody owns everything except for God. When you trust him and walk in his word, he sees it. He watches and he rewards a faithful commitment to his word. If you would just say, I'm going to stand on you today, God. Let every man be a liar, God, and you be the truth. Don't be afraid as a man to stand on God's word. Don't be afraid as a woman to say, I don't care how fine he look. I don't care how many six packs he's got. I don't care if he look like Idris, the dude, the, the dude, you know, <laughs> um, I don't care. That I'm going to walk with Jesus no matter what. I, I, I'm going As a man, I'm going to lead my family. As a single man, I'm going to walk with Christ. I'm going to let the word of God rule and abide every single thing in my life. And I'll let the chips fall where they may. But I know one thing is true. God might not reward me now, and I may not see it now. But if I'm faithful over a few things... He'll make me ruler over many. And I'm going to just tell you right now, you better learn the cost. It's a cost to follow him. But it's a blessing because it's nothing. It, listen, it, you, your life was set up for suffering to happen, but for peace to be in you. It's, it, let me tell you, it's possible to be disappointed at the result of following God and everything's going bad, yet you're strangely at peace. <laughs> See, that's the, that's the power of the Word of God. The Word of God, God and know what, know what, I'm going to just say this. I was, let me just say this. God will sometimes purposefully, as you follow him, let things follow or fall apart. Just so that he can sanctify you in not letting circumstances be the Word of God. Because he said, can, can you stand with me with just me and peace? If I, don't, if I don't change nothing, can me and peace just be, just me and peace? And that's it. And I don't change it, I'll even let it get worse. But am I enough? 
and is following me enough and is being, listen, you better learn how to, and it's a blessing too. But what I love about God is God doesn't leave you rewardless. And you'll see some stuff come full circle. You see some, listen, let me tell you something. You'll see some stuff come full circle, and it will rock you. And you will lift your hands, whether you say, thank you, God, that I wasn't foolish enough to think that I was wiser than you. Thank you, God, that you gave me enough, not common sense, but divine sense, to follow you anyhow. And so I'm just telling you, no matter what season of life you're in, lady, no matter what season of life you're in, man, follow what God says in his word. You better devour, you better, bite, you better get in them pages and, and, and get that ink on your heart. Get that ink on your heart and let the word of God be tattooed to your soul so that you can say, come hella high water, I'm going to walk in God's word. Come hella high water, I'm going to live for Christ. Come hella high water, I'm going to live in the hard words and the good words. Come hella high water, I'm going to let the wind be in my face, my Bible under my hand, and I'm going and snow coming around me, thunderstorms coming around me, and I'm going to walk with God. God, God, God will, let me tell you this, I'm, I'm closing. God will call you to make some hard decisions. I want to just give you the nice that way. If everything went well and I'm just blessed and highly favored. Sometimes you don't feel blessed and highly favored. See, that's the times I need to speak to. And you need to keep going. That's why he says in the text, faithfulness. Faithfulness is, listen to me, consistency in the midst of adversity. So I just want to leave you with that, that you would let, and guess who did that before us? Christ. He's the hero of hearing from God and wrestling with him. He's the hero of that. Jesus Christ, in the Garden of Gethsemane, prayed himself to the cross. Hebrew says he wrestled with God so hard sometimes that he was crying and shouting and hollering. In the Bible, with shouts of gratitude, we talking about the Lord of Glory. Wrestled with the Word of God, then got on the cross and starts quoting it while he's suffocating, and did it in proper order. The seven last words that the old church talks about. Seven last words is Jesus not creating, and He's the Lord of Glory. He wasn't quoting some new word. He grabbed scriptures that he was supposed to bring to pass and verbalized them. And I believe they not only helped us, but they helped him to stay on the cross. Because yeah. yeah. wow. wow. he needs the word in his incarnation just as much as we do. Yeah. Now, if it's me, I'd have called some angels to light some Pharisees up. <laughs> but, but Jesus Christ was like, I'm going to wrestle, even to the point where I tell everybody that I feel forsaken by God. Honestly, at his best. But guess what he was doing? He was clinging not to that wood. He was clinging to God's word. Father, we thank you. We honor you. Honor you for your word that is able to Help us stand in the worst of times. It is able to 
give clarity even in the most painful places. And God, you're trying to teach the Corinthians and teach us. God says, you're not the first to look stupid because of what I say. I've looked stupid because of what I say. Matter of fact, I became a man to show you what it looks like to be abandoned because of holding to my word. But then I highly exalted my son to my right hand for faithfulness to my word. And so God, teach us how to not stray from the things that are written. Help us to find our value in the written word. Help us to find our identity just as Jesus clung to the cross in clinging to the word of God. Help us to do so as well.